Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hoops Unfiltered. This is episode two. Got my man Brian Chase back in the building. What's up, man? Glad to have you back. Appreciate it. Hey, Big you, time. You harder to get at than the president, man. No, um, I just don't like people. <laughs> I hate people. Um, no disrespect to nobody, but I'm just an isolated guy, man. Yeah, I hear that. Um, but before we get into this thing, uh, of course, since the last time we sat down, had a, a tragic loss that uh, shook the basketball world. Well, really, the entire world. Period. Um, of course, speaking about um, the the helicopter accident with uh, Kobe and Gianna and the, and the seven other victims. Um, just a just a terrible, terrible tragedy. Just took me by surprise. I'm sure it did everybody else. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts because you doing doing your career. You spent some time in L.A. with the uh, D League affiliate, and you. You got to really see that up up close and personal. Like people heard the stories and they they keep spouting that mamba mentality shit, but you you watch that live. Just kind of talk about you know what what you were able to absorb from Kobe seeing and seeing him work uh, um, in real time. I think we had a a couple conversations, but. One was personal and the rest was more general to the team. But uh, I think what I absorbed from him was his energy. Mm -hmm. His energy said, <laughs> fuck y'all at the end of the day. That's what his energy said. His energy, it, it didn't matter to nobody because mm -hmm. um, once he stepped in between those lines this is what it is um, when I first got to LA my very first practice uh, I had the fortunate opportunity to cross paths with him we was finishing shoot around and they were coming in from practice and he just asked me he was like you're, you're the new guy right mm -hmm. and I said yeah and uh, he was like, y'all play today, right, before us? And I said, yeah. And he was like, man, good luck, and don't take no bullshit from the other team. And he went into their locker room. We went into ours, and that was my, you know, first interaction with him. But I was fortunate enough to, you know, sit there and watch these guys practice every single day because they practiced right behind us when I was with the defenders. All right. So, man, uh, it's, <laughs> I don't, I can't explain it. I'm still in contact with a, with a couple guys from, you know, from LA, mm -hmm. um, from, they're not the defenders no more. They're the South Bay Lakers. Um, and, and, and one of the, and their coach is one of my great friends, and we've had uh, dialogue over the last what month and a half or so month, mm -hmm. you know, since his passing. And the energy means something totally different. Like it's Kobe, man. Right. Like you, you like I can't I I can't put it into words because I'm a. I'm a I'm from Washington DC but I have ties to LA and mm -hmm. even from the 
Kobe tragic tragedy. Uh, Nipsey Hussle is my favorite rapper. Right, right. So to have my favorite rapper of all time, mm-hmm. and I'm saying that because a lot of people won't. Uh, they'll think like, oh, you you like the guy because he passed away. No, right. When I was in LA in 2006, uh, this is where I was groomed mm-hmm. to Nipsey Hussle. And if you come to my neighborhood, if you come to where I am on a regular basis, it's a correlation between Nipsey and Kobe because both of these guys uh, played a big part in my motivation at the same time. Right, right. So it's just tough to deal with one loss a year ago and now have to deal with this now. Um, but yeah, man, like Kobe is the greatest of my generation, but Mike is the greatest of all time. Right, yeah. And um and I know we talked before when uh about uh what um what one of my favorite Kobe moments is. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, the the, the the infamous video when he tore into them guys. Yeah, buddy, it get real uncomfortable <laughs> when I'm out. This, yeah. Were you able to witness any of those type of moments? Yeah, I've I've seen him like smack Sasha Vujicic in the back of his head. Shut up! And you need to play harder. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was fortunate enough to watch them practice every single day and then fortunate enough to watch them play every single home game. All of our home games when I was in the D league were at the Staples center before their games. Mm -hmm. So the Lakers played at seven 30, we played at three 30. So we were done at five, five 30. Right. And they were preparing to come on the floor. So I was fortunate enough to see, the entire preparation mm-hmm. uh, leading up to a lot of games. And I think the best game that I had ever saw just from a fan standpoint was when they played the Denver Nuggets. And Carmelo and AI is on the other team. Allen right. Iverson is playing for Denver. And Kobe is over here. And I'm like, uh, we just – played a like a super tough game and I'm super tired but I can't not watch this game. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those situations where you see these two legends and then a legend in the making mm-hmm. on the floor at the same time. So I I, I saw a lot like I, I've had somebody tell me that he would pay me X amount of dollars to see what I've seen through my eyes because he never he couldn't imagine you know some of the things that I've seen yeah those are invaluable experiences man so like what um what 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 does that say to you about a guy that's able to you know go with his teammates like that it'll be borderline disrespectful according to some people but they you know the teammates just accept they just accept it and 
taking a stride to keep moving. Like, what, is, what does that say about the influence Kobe had and how, how they viewed him and, and respected him? When you're the guy, a lot of times people, everybody has their own persona. Mm-hmm. And when you're the guy, sometimes you lead verbally, sometimes you lead verbally and physically. Kobe led by example. Right. Um, and his motivation was he going to talk his shit. Mm-hmm. He's going to say, y'all can't stop me. Now, who's up to the test of stopping me? Right. So he was literally trying to, you know, play reverse psychology on his teammates mm-hmm. in order to get the best out of them. And to be able to see that on a daily basis is a part of the reason why I had my success in L.A. Okay. Before I, I went overseas or whatever. But Kobe was, and you talking about Kobe, Lamar Odom, Pau Gasol, Ronnie Turioff, uh Sasha Vujicic. Um, yeah, that was the year they won the championship, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the year they won the championship. So you can't take away from the greatness, and you look at the 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 impact that he had, especially verbally, because he would tell you. Y'all niggas soft. <laughs> and in his mind, that's what he really felt. Uh-huh. But he was also trying to bring a toughness to the table. Because right. you in L.A., you it's very, very like a laid back. It's a very, very laid back environment. Mm-hmm. And when you get there, you would think that, man everybody's smoking weed. That's how laid back it is. Right, yeah. That's how laid back it is. Uh-huh. And it's really not that, but the environment is totally different, from, let's say, from a place like Miami where I was. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. And you're on South Beach. And L.A. is just it, it's just a different environment. And totally, and, and, and Kobe... I don't know. He just, it was just a different mentality, a different attitude when he walked in the gym. Mm-hmm. You wasn't in L.A. no more. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those situations. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I definitely appreciate you sharing your experiences. Um, like, like I said, those are invaluable experiences that a lot of people don't get to have. It's rare that you get up close and personal with not only a, a great basketball player, but one of the greatest to, to ever lace up the sneakers so um yeah thanks for sharing that and um so just kind of picking up where we left off last time kind of started talking about your your college career and dabbled a little bit into your overseas career but um in in regards to college uh committed to virginia tech um went there ricky stokes was your coach uh but that he wasn't the coach when you committed was he no Uh -uh. i committed to bobby hussey uh he was there and I think March of March or April of my senior year in high school, they fired him. Mm-hmm. But I kept my commitment. 
What, um, what made you do that? Honestly, I I don't know. <laughs> I I know, but I don't know. Uh huh. Um, it was one of those situations where the campus going on on, on my visit. Uh, it did something totally different to me. Like mm-hmm. I'm 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 a I'm a city kid, and um. Born and raised in Southeast Minnesota Avenue by way of Trinidad. Uh, And I had a few run-ins with life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it it was something totally different than what I was used to. And I kept my commitment and I just did nothing but work. Right. Period. And, you know, being fortunate enough to play on one of the, you know, the best AAU programs in the country. Um, Talking to my coach, like my high school coach actually went, he took me on my visit mm-hmm. for that weekend. My, my, my head coach and assistant, they took me on my visit. And uh, after leaving there, we also had a conversation and he was just like, man, they want you and it's your situation. He was like, there's no reason to look at anything else after this because this is what you want. Right. And we sat on it for about a week and then I committed. So that was that situation, but it wasn't a lifelong thing. It wasn't, right, right, you right. know, like my mom went there or <laughs> nothing. Like I'm the first in my family to go to college. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't none of that. It was just uh, me looking for a change okay. more than anything. Yeah. So that's why I committed to Virginia Tech. All right. So um, you end up going there. You play your four years. So during your time, there was another athlete there, probably one of <laughs> the the biggest college football players ever, uh, Michael Vick. Yeah. So your, your experience was – probably a little unique so not only were you a student at virginia tech during the vic years you were student athlete at virginia tech during the vic years and you were probably the best person on the basketball team so vic got football you got basketball what what's that experience like being on that type of platform um it was i don't know (laughs) again like I'm I'm one of these people. I I, I kind of I, I live in the moment mm-hmm. more than cherish the moment, right? And I try to and and try to take that with me as I go. But I know, like my f- freshman year, I was like blown away. Mm-hmm. Because we were trying to get the basketball program back on track, but it's hard to get the basketball program back on track when you have this larger than life figure, you know, just he got the whole (laughs) town. He got anything probably within 60 miles of campus campus. He got it locked down Mm -hmm. and they was and Virginia Tech is in Blacksburg, but. Uh, you know, it was signs that I saw on the highway 
Right. They crossed out black and called it, and somebody spray painted Vicksburg. And you're talking about this guy who took a football program from obscurity. Mm-hmm. And I ain't going to say obscurity for real, but, you know. He just elevated it. Oh. Totally different. It was ridiculous. So it made sense why the bleachers in the the, the Coliseum got done after we lost the Sugar Bowl to Florida State. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, like, right, it, yeah. it was a lot of things that happened because he brought a lot of money to the school. Mm-hmm. He brought a lot of money to the school with, you know, uh, the endorsements outside of his donations, but just him being that, you know, number one football player right. in the country, it was a lot of money that, we actually received as as a university mm-hmm. that changed the dynamic of the campus that changed you know like construction and right. stuff just started happening and you're trying to figure it out but it also came from him just being great but campus electric and if he was out and you were a part of it um Hey, you had fun. <laughs> Period. That's how it worked. So did, did y'all have a relationship? Was y'all cool? Yeah. Yeah. He was the homie. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, if I, like when I got hurt, uh, we had to take a, a a couple, like we were called in at six o'clock in the morning, I think twice to take a drug test mm-hmm. or whatever. Um he was there, but any time that it was noted, because he actually lived in the same complex that I lived in next door, okay. oh, well, the next building. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a disparity. Like, I probably was the only basketball player that lived amongst all of the football players. Gotcha. And when I got hurt and I had to have surgery, he was one of the ones that was trying to figure out, like, how, why. Why did it happen? Mm. And he let me know that, you know, he was coming to the games to watch me play. He played pickup with us in the in the summertime, and I'll tell him to his face that uh, if he could slow down, he could actually play basketball. But until he slowed down, he saw his shit. <laughs> Period. Uh, so, but I, I was was he. Could he play or he was just like one of them football dudes that play basketball or could he? Nah, he 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 could play a little bit. Okay. He just was so fast. Everything he did was fast. The best basketball player on the football team was D'Angelo Hall. Okay. Redskins cornerback, Atlanta Falcons, whatever. Funny, I I, I saw um we linked up uh like two weeks ago Mm -hmm. um, at my son's AAU game, but he was the best basketball player on the football team by far. Oh, wow. In my my opinion. Mm -hmm. Nobody couldn't do nothing with him because he actually had the skills to play the game along with the athleticism. Okay. So Michael Vick was a football player that just loved to play basketball. D'Angelo Hall was an athlete. Got you. And he can play flat out. Play. All right, so um, in regards to your basketball career at Tech, what so 
if you could just give an overall grade of your four years, what just in terms C. of <laughs> it was a C. Why? Why C? Um, why was it in the middle like that? Because I didn't start out the way. I mean, I didn't finish the way that I started out. Okay, and it was a lot of you know moving parts into that. I. Of course, you, you you asked earlier who did I commit to, and I told you I committed to another coach mm-hmm. as opposed to the coach that I played for, and that played a, the biggest part in it. I was fortunate enough to play with my brother, my homie, uh, Eric Branham, and he can attest to it. Our coach told us that he didn't want his point guards to shoot, and if we shot the ball, we was coming out the game, and that hurt. You know, and I looked at it from the standpoint like, you know, I was I made the Atlantic 10 all rookie team. I was the MVP of the team, you know, when we had our awards make with my sophomore and junior year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it my senior year, it just the vibe wasn't right. I, I got into it with the coaches a couple of times, but my but I fixed my grades. Mm-hmm. So. I, I, just, I can't explain it. Like, it's not coach's fault. It's wow. not my fault. It was just I was caught in the middle at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. So, it's cool, but it didn't stop me at the end of the day right. because I've had, you know, some a, a few people reach out to me once they saw that oh, man, he didn't get drafted mm-hmm. or he wasn't even nowhere close to the draft board. But, man, look at his career. Right. And that's how, you know, things turned around for me mentally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I don't know how to explain it, man. Like, <laughs> I so, want to say some stuff I shouldn't say. <laughs> so how how do you function with a coach that pretty much – takes away your best attribute by saying you don't want his point guard shooting the ball when you're a deadly shooter. Make him play you. So like I, it's it's one practice where <laughs> I I say this on a regular basis like to you know some of the uh, I, I'm to some of the the kids that I speak about mm-hmm. and they can't grasp why I did it. But He was being a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a tough practice that day. And he he was feeling some type of way, like he was getting on us about every little detail. So something happened, and somebody ran the play the wrong way. And I got one of my homies next to me, and he was like, uh, you know, he was changing the drills and one of my homies next to me, one of my teammates was like, he said something stupid and I kind of laughed a little bit, chuckled and he heard me and he was like, oh, your captain, he, he, he thinks it's funny. Everybody on the line. And I'm, I, I looked at him and I said, why? On the line for what? Like, I didn't laugh out like super duper loud. I didn't. Right, right. You know, it wasn't a crazy laugh or anything. He just heard me chuckle. Mm-hmm. And 
we wasn't getting along at the time. And when he said it's a suicide and everybody got to make it in 24 seconds or something like that. Um, yeah, I took it upon myself to generously trot. They ran the suicide hard as hell. And I chilled. And I, I, I finished that suicide. Again, since Brian wanted to be an asshole, he, we, we got to do it again. I did it again. So you told him to kiss the blackest part of your ass. Yeah, the blackest part, the spackle <laughs> on my foot. I did it three times, and then that's when the teammates, my teammates started, like, barking. Like, come on, Chase, man, stop playing. And I was like, man, all y'all shut the fuck up. Because y'all don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. And I didn't do it. So then after the third time, when I told them to be quiet, he kicked me out of practice. All right. I'm cool with that. <laughs> About to go to this caf- uh, this, this cafeteria and get this this, this steak and 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 this, these mashed potatoes and eat good and go home. So it's like when your parents send you to your room, you got video games in there. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> you didn't take the you didn't take the the fucking accolades or I'm mean, not the accolades, but the 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 perks right, right. away from me. You kicked me out of practice. I was tired anyway, nigga. That's how it worked. So we we just never saw eye to eye from that day. And to be honest with you, he, he went to UVA. And we was at Virginia Tech. That's our rival. That's right, like right. Duke, North Carolina. That's uh-huh. like Texas Tech and Texas. That's the in-state rival. I don't know how much Like, if he was there a hundred percent. Right, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, Virginia Tech gave me my opportunity. I I, I always questioned it. And if he was sitting right here, and I'm a, I'll ask him to his face, the fuck is up with you, man? <laughs> it is what it is. So, whatever, mm-hmm. when it comes down. You ever, uh, you ever think about leaving at some point? Mm-hmm. I did. I thought about leaving after my sophomore year. He actually came to me and was like, you know, is rumors floating around that you're thinking about transferring mm-hmm. to Temple. Um, I spoke to one of the sister coaches like heavy uh, leading up to that. But I never I never did. I love Blacksburg. Mm-hmm. I love the the change of setting. It right, was right. it's totally different than Washington D.C. So yeah, Temple would have been more the same. That's right in the middle. Exactly, and I'm an hour and some change yeah. from home. Like I wanted to get away when I committed to Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to be so far. So that was perfect for me. My four hours to Virginia Tech that was perfect for me. Okay. Period. Hey you. You ever think about what would it would it have been like playing under uh, John Cheney? Yeah, I thought about it because I'd have played with two of my friends, and then I'd have had to practice at six o'clock in the morning. And I'm good. No nah, man, 
I just became a morning person after I retired. <laughs> like I do not. I'm not a. I, I don't interrupt my sleep, especially to get up and you know be active. Right. right. But you know, I would have played a year, if I'm not mistaken. Looking back on, I'd have played a year with Kevin Ladd, and I'd have mm-hmm. played two years with David Hawkins. I think. Yeah, some all that kind of just. Yeah, it it, it, it all kind of. I'd have been caught in the middle of my four years. I'd have been caught in the middle of both of their careers. Right. So, um, I thought about it. Like I really in, entertained it, but mm-hmm. I wasn't. I was like, nah. I mean create my I, I, I gotta create my own lane, path, niche, whatever. And that's kind of the person I've always been. So that oh, so it wouldn't have been in conference because Virginia Tech had moved on by then. Yeah, we 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 only played Atlantic Ten my freshman year. Okay. And we went big east my sophomore year. Gotcha. Right. So it wouldn't have been a conflict of interest or, you know, hard for me to transfer. It it, it wasn't it wouldn't have been that. So uh, what were your expectations at the end of your career? Like, what were your pro prospects looking like? Um, my in, The end of my career at college? Yeah. None. I I didn't have no expectations. I just knew I just, honestly, I didn't want to play basketball no more. Damn, for real? I'm dead serious. Like, I had this conversation with my high school coach who was my trainer throughout my career. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to play no more. I quit. Really? I'm dead serious. I quit. And and he he asked me why, and I told him. I said, uh, "Ricky Stokes took the fun out of playing basketball. I don't want to play anymore. I don't like the business of it. Mm-hmm. The business is what shut me down." And he slowly worked on my mind, like he did in high school. But he was, it, "Don't do that. Don't say that. You're right, going to regret right. it." Mm-hmm. If you just up and decide to really, really quit at this point. So what he did was, um, you know, he drilled that narrative into my head and then he slowly started getting me in the gym regularly working, regularly working where it became normal again. Because this is what I was doing since I was 14, going in the gym with him. Mm-hmm. And working, and you know, of course, you see the ball go in. You feel like you can score <laughs> seventy thousand anywhere you go, right. and and that's what got me back into the mode where I wanted to play competitive basketball again. And I got one phone call, then I got and played well. Got another phone call, played well. Got another phone call. And next thing you know, I'm in Cleveland's minicamp. Okay. And it happened It happened that fast. Mm. So. So, um, all right, so you get to Cleveland minicamp, so it's like your first NBA experience. Was it ever a point where you was like, all right, man, this, this shit a little different here. I got to step my game up. Yeah. Because um, the first day, I ain't finished the workout. Mm-hmm. Fucking dehydrated. I, I cramped the fuck up because I was trying to go so hard uh-huh. that I expended all of my energy. So my calves 
everything cramped up my hamstrings, everything. At this time, uh, Danny Ferry was the GM. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say, who was the head coach? Uh, don't give me the line. All right, well, that had to be uh, Mike Brown, huh? May, yeah, it might have been Mike Brown. So this is like old five some oh nah so, nah so that's uh that's like paul silas or somebody it might i want to say paul silas but i don't want to you know throw the name out there right, but right, right. yeah it was during that time mm-hmm. and uh i was going so hard my whole body like locked up this is the first day we supposed to be there a week and i was there with five other play uh, other players it was a mini camp mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm done. I thought they was going to send me home, but they didn't. They gave me another, you know, another chance the next day or whatever. And in my mind, all I did was just drink water and Gatorade, water and Gatorade. I took the electrolyte packets that they gave me to put the salt sodium back in my system so that I wouldn't cramp up. Right. And Tuesday was totally different. Like, um, just... Everywhere I went, I just shot the cover off the ball. Mm-hmm. And I wound up lasting the whole week. A couple of people left. Um, I was fortunate enough to be there with, you know, uh, two people that I highly respect. Uh, one that I played against in high school, and, and we actually was fortunate enough to play on the same team. And another who was in L.A. when I was in L.A. LA at the time, and that being Roger Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, he was there with me, uh, and we just kept each other motivated. And then uh, Shaman Williams that played okay. at North Carolina. Yeah. Um, his little nuggets of advice mm-hmm. that day, along with us being in L.A. at the same time, man, did wonders for me. It changed a lot. Other than just me, me being able to see Kobe do work every day, right, right. So my ground was a little different. Yeah, how long? The, how long like did it take you to kind of get your foot and then pretty much be confident that you could perform at that level? Um, how long? Or like, was it just like one moment where you was where you kind of had where you was like, okay, I I can run with these dudes. I think the moment was when I got to professionally. Mm-hmm. When I got to L.A., coach was like, um, figured out, I'm not taking you out of the game. Like, you are one of our top players because we had maybe three. Players like because back then the D League was arranged a little different, and right. I was one of the top three when you're talking about contractually. So, regardless whether you win, lose, or draw, it's going to go through these top players, right? You're not coming out the game, whatever the ball is in your hands, and uh, from that point, that was it. And me and him, I actually got suspended my first year. In a D-League? Yeah. <laughs> For what? Because, hey, man. Talking me crazy. 
I'm not, and I'm not that person, but uh, I just don't tolerate disrespect. Right. And he said something to me. I'll never forget it. We was in Arkansas. And he said something to me crazy. And I asked him, I was like, Coach, we've been on the road. It was just a question mm-hmm. as, as we, you know, got together as a group. And I was like, Coach, man, uh, we, you know, we've been on the road and we done had like three games in five days. Is it possible that we can tone it down because everybody's tired? Mm-hmm. You know, we flying commercial. It's a right, lot of right. different things going on. And he was like, I don't care about that. I was like, Coach, we're the product. It's nothing that you can you won't feel the way that we feel. Right. Because you're just getting up, going to sleep, and talking. But physically, we're tired. Um, He said something to me, and I said something to him. I was like, man, Coach, stop playing with me. And he literally, he took two steps towards me because he was that close. Oh, shit. He took two steps towards me, and I took two steps back. I just backed up. And... He said, what did you say? I said, coach, don't walk up on me because now the situation changed. And he was like, you know what? Get the fuck out. He put me out of practice in Arkansas. All right. Went in the locker room, just sat in there. I was cool. I'm tired anyway. That, that was my whole argument. Right, right. I'm tired. My body hurts. So if you 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 give me an out, and and honestly, from that point on, we never – had an issue. It was a totally different respect because he knew that I was going to stand my ground on mm-hmm. what I felt, and I told him, "I'm, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put my hands on you, but don't disrespect me." We went into the office. Mitch Kupchak was the general manager at the time. Told him that he needed to, uh, you know, figure it out as right, the right. coach. Went into his office and we sat down and talked and uh, we got it together. And that was my first year in L.A. And then we would like perfect after that. He was he was arguably one of my best coaches that I've ever had because he stayed out of the way. Like it kind of not for me personally, it was just. He let the players figure it out. And one of the things that Shaman Williams always hopped on was, Coach, get the fuck out the way. Let your players decide the game. And that's what he started to do. Mm -hmm. And it worked. It worked. We was like the number one team in the West. Or whatever division we was in, especially that following year, and we ended the year that first year like a like a we won ten out of thirteen or something like that. Damn. So, um, it worked. He started to understand because he was an older guy, mm-hmm. and uh, he started to understand. You know, you got younger players. Like this is right, a totally right. different generation. Yeah, you got you got to relate at some point, bridge the gap somehow. Like you. Because otherwise, you're just going to continue to butt heads. There you go. And that's why the Knicks are in their situation. <laughs> they ain't even going to get into that. Yeah. But, uh, whatever. So as you as you uh, were starting to be around more, you went to different camps, got experience with different teams. 
was at any point you started looking at NBA dudes like, man, I'll bust this nigga's ass. Yeah, of course. You know, once I got to a point where I think it, it, it never was a fear, mm. but the the realistic fear is the known unknown. You don't know what you're getting into right. or what you're going into in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Once you see that this is, oh my gosh, it's just basketball. Right, right. You know, yeah, he might be taller than you, but everybody's been taller than me my whole career. And uh, it, yeah, it got to a point where I was like, yeah, I'm going out there and I'm gonna do work today. And it really hit home my last summer league my last summer league, I was fortunate enough to play with Golden State, and uh, their philosophy was just play. It wasn't – they were so laid back and free and relaxed. Don, this was Don Nelson's – at the end of Don Nelson's last year. Okay. And uh, it was – So this is after, like, We Believe team and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This So this after – Steven Jackson, Byron Davis. Mm -hmm. So this this is Steph Curry's going into his second year. So it's like 2010. Ten. Yeah, ten. Yeah. This is 10. And man, Steph practiced with us. Mm -hmm. um, and then he wound up having to leave to go to the USA team or whatever. But man, it was just so cool. The intensity wasn't there like my first year of playing summer league like when I was in Utah. Right. It wasn't that kind of intensity. Uh -huh. And because I had already went through that gauntlet, that process, man, I was I was the OG. I was the vet by the time I got to Golden State and I'm sitting in the back of the bus in the last seat. You know, so that means a lot. And then I'm sitting back there. I'm joking, cussing everybody out, but just talking shit. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying anything derogatory to anybody, but I just got the bus kind of, you, you know. You the senior. Right? Yeah, I'm yeah. the senior. So I'm just talking and having fun with it. And that's, kinda, that's how we played. Mm -hmm. We played free. We played, you know, energetic, whatever. Everybody right. could do whatever it is that they – brung to the table whether if you was athletic go dunk if you could shoot shoot the basketball because they told you if you don't shoot you're coming out the game uh and i ain't trying to come out the game <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't trying to come out the game period All right uh so was it was it ever a player that you played with like maybe in summer league or you in camp with that never really caught on but you would just look at him and be like man that's a bad motherfucker right there Outside of the NBA, uh, yeah, any level overseas, NBA, any any level professionally. Um, a bad guy that I always had the most respect for because of his approach. He's just he's just different. A lot of people, you know, in this generation, they won't remember the name. But my first year overseas was Preston Shumpert. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Played at Syracuse. Um, averaged like 23 or so in the Big East. Uh, but P, man, you needed a big shot. P knocked that joint down. You needed the right play. He did it. He wasn't a ball handler or anything. About 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six, and he played like how Klay Thompson played. That's how he played in college. Okay. He run off of these back screens and mm-hmm. single doubles and everything. He catch and shot that basketball. And 75, 80% of the time, he made the shot that we needed to make. That's a lot. Yeah, hell yeah. That's a lot. And we were one of, like, we finished third in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And he was our leading scorer and wound up making an all-star team. And I think he finished runner-up for MVP of the league or whatever. But that situation right there, he he just got it. But I also want to I, – I, I can't say this. If I say Preston, I got to say him because they did it in two totally different ways. Mm-hmm. God rest his soul. Andre Emmett. Oh, yeah. Hell Andre yeah. Emmett played with me in L.A. And I don't know how he did it. He couldn't jump over a phone book. <laughs> but he was 6'5", and he got a bucket. I don't know how he did it. You always try to wonder, like, how you do this? Uh-huh. How you do it with all these pump fakes and things like that? But... He will walk away. If he played 20 minutes, he had 19. <laughs> if he played 25 minutes, he had 23. Yeah, Slim did used to fill it up. He can get a bucket. He knows. He knew how to score. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. So, um, that was, like, those two players, like, really stick out to me over the course of my career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Who's, uh, who's your favorite teammate ever? Jarius Jackson. That's my man. Where you at, JJ? That's my guy. Um, my favorite teammate ever was Jarius Jackson. Played at Texas Tech with Andre Emmett mm-hmm. for, I want to say they was there for maybe one or two years together, but um, me and JJ had the opportunity to uh, play on the same team for two years, but was in Italy together for three or four years. But what a lot of people don't understand is that when you are an athlete, you spend the majority of your time or your life with your teammates. All right. And JJ lived over top of me. We lived in the same building and had pretty much the same condo, the same flat. Mm-hmm. It was identical. He lived on the fourth floor. I, lo- I lived on the third floor. We was together um, every day. So, you know, his family, his wife, his kids, all of that. We we did all of everything together. Christmas, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And he just he's just a quiet, he's an introverted person. Right. But once you are around the guy, he has to be one of the funniest people in the world. And so for me, my favorite teammate of all time. Yeah, it has to be JJ. Okay. By far. 